The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So, good evening. Can you hear me? Welcome to the Beginner's Practice Group. So, I'm Chris Clifford, and uh, you mostly know Shinquan Park, I think. And uh, we'll be doing this along with Diana Clark for the next four weeks. We started doing this group a few years ago as a way to help people who just finished the intro class kind of stay involved and give you an extra four weeks of support and boost in uh, your practice. Maybe did, did all of you do that course or are some of you here without doing that course? Uh-huh. Okay, yeah, you're welcome. I mean, anybody who considers themselves to be fairly new to the practice is welcome. So it's, um, what we're going to do is each week we'll review one of the aspects of, that's covered in the course. So this week we'll review the posture and the breathing. Next week, mindfulness of emotions and thoughts. I mean, next week, body, then emotions and thoughts. So we'll just briefly review the general instructions. And then we'll, we also want to introduce some of the basic uh, Buddhist teachings, the basic understanding of what, how to work with our suffering. So um, each evening we'll introduce one of the fundamental teachings. And this evening, Shinquan will talk a little bit about what's called the Four Noble Truths. And next week we'll talk about the Eightfold Path. Maybe you're familiar with these. If you're not, you will be. And then the third week we'll take one of those path factors that is really uh, fruitful to look at for daily life practice, which is right speech, wise speech, and we'll look at that. And then in the last week we'll look at the loving-kindness practice. That's a big part of our tradition here. So um, that's the plan for the next four weeks. And so this evening we'd like to begin with a reviewing of the posture, the basic instructions for the posture and mindfulness of breathing. So um, the idea in the posture is to find a position that supports a balance of relaxed and alert. So the primary thing that we're doing, even as we move through the other, uh, the body and the emotions and so forth, is that we're we're staying in touch with our breath. We want to support allowing a full healthy breath in the body. And so that involves having the spine be in its naturally aligned state as much as possible. Okay? So what's supportive of that is to be seated in a way, if possible, so that your knees are no higher than your hips. So if you're sitting on the floor on a cushion, uh, you want to have the cushion high enough to support your knees being... You know, not, not you don't want to be sitting like that because that makes a curve like this in your lower back and you can see how that compresses your breathing. So what you want is to be sitting in a way that supports an expansion in your diaphragm area so that you're able to get a full breath. If you're sitting in a chair, just you might just sit, you could sit, some people like to sit at the edge of the chair, but then there's no back support. So if you need back support, you can sit in the back of the chair. I've been experimenting recently with having a, a pillow wedge just on my lower back, which seems to be a good support for my back, but then it leaves my upper back free when I sit in a chair, as I do often. So um, you can play with those different 
postures. And when I start the guiding this evening, we'll also work with the breath and the posture a little bit more. So the knees not higher than the hips, a little bit of that natural curve in the lower back that supports this opening up. Okay, And then you want to have your hands placed in a way that supports your shoulders not rounding forward. So you might play with moving them back or forward a little just so that they're not encouraging that movement, but they're encouraging that open movement. And then finally you want to, it helps to just slightly tip your head down, not far down, but just to open up a little space at the back of the head that pulls the spine a little more straight. Okay? So we'll take that posture as much as possible. And in this tradition, we close our eyes, or you can just look a little bit at the floor ahead of you if you don't want to close your eyes, but we usually close our eyes. And I just just like to begin with coming into the present and feeling your contact with your support. So your seat on the chair or on the cushion, just feeling your bottom against your support there, that contact. Let your attention sink down. And just feel really supported and grounded. That's the basis of the support for the spine, is your solid contact with your supportive chair cushion. And you might just feel your legs. Feel, if you're seated on the floor, feel that you have a stable base in your legs. If you're seated on a chair, feel your feet on the floor. And when we breathe, we're actually potentially moving all parts of our body. It's a great wave of energy that comes into the body and it really can be felt as open as we are in our bodies all the way through our bodies. So just even if you're imagining it a moment, see if you take a deep in-breath and just feel that energy going clear down into your legs. See if your legs are just a little bit of energized by an in-breath. Let's just let your attention be down in that supportive lower part of the body. And then come up and notice that your lower vertebrae of your spine are resting on that form support. Bring your attention around the area of your belly. And again, another deep breath. and See if you feel a diaphragm kind of moving down into your lower abdomen, sending that energy on down your legs. sort of enlivening this part of the body and its role in supporting the rest of your spine. 
A well-aligned spine really doesn't need a lot of extra tension to keep itself upright. So it's very supportive in relaxing the body and also staying alert in having a good circulation up and down the spine without any added tension. So letting your attention just be down around your belly button, just above there where the diaphragm is moving as you breathe in and breathe out. to your upper part of your torso, the area where your rib cage. See if that area is resting in alignment on what's below as much as possible. And see how much you can notice any movement along with the breath in that area. Potentially a three-dimensional expansion and relaxing back your whole torso there. See if you can notice your little movement in your sides and your back. Every place that moves a little as we breathe is alive and we can sense into it. We all have places that we can't really feel very much. It's numb or held in. Those places can relax as you practice. Open up. Feel more movement. Check that you're not holding yourself tightly or rigidly. There's a sort of natural movement that goes along with the breath. stretching of the whole body and relaxing back. Just let that happen. Relax into it. Relax. Just let all of your concerns drop down. Feel supported by your seat and the energy coming up the spine.
Notice how your shoulders are just resting on your upper torso. Maybe they float up and float back down a little bit with each breath. You feel some expanding and relaxing back in your shoulder blades. Just see if your neck is very loose. You might move it gently from side to side. Let go of any tension in your neck. Let it just rest atop your aligned spine. With that little bit of tipping down that opens up the back of the neck. And the head floating on top of the neck, being held up by the rest of your body without extra tension. Just bringing your attention to the relaxed overall sense of simply sitting here, breathing naturally. Stop trying to do anything in particular except just notice where the most predominant feeling of breathing is for you. Might be anywhere from your nose to your throat, your chest, your belly. Maybe the whole body expanding and relaxing back. Just trust that your body knows how to breathe. Let yourself be breathed. Let your attention rest with the sensations, what it feels like to be breathing in and breathing out. If you're one of the many people who feel like you have a tendency to control your breath when you're meditating, that's fine. You can just notice that. One thing I find helpful is you might watch a place that you don't associate so much with that control. So put your attention on the side effects, like maybe your back, how your back moves or how your lower belly moves. It might help you let go of the feeling of needing to control it.
Just trusting at the end of the in-breath. The body will breathe in when it's ready. All you need to do is know that that's happening and know what it feels like as it's happening. Staying right with this internal sensing, this internal knowing of the feeling sense from the inside. This gentle stretching, relaxing back. Just letting all other concerns go to the background. Just noticing that you know whether an in-breath or an out-breath is happening. Can you know each one as it happens? If your mind wanders, when you come back, you can just ask yourself, oh, is an in-breath or an out-breath happening? And how do I know that? What's the feeling that's associated with that? Just checking in if you're balanced between relaxed and awake. Just check in if you've developed any added tensions that you can let go of. If you're falling asleep, can you just bring a little more energy to being right there with each half-breath, each in-breath, each out-breath? There's nothing to do but just know beginning of the in-breath, what it feels like. Maybe that moment when it has enough and lets go, turns into the out-breath.
Maybe there's a pause at the end of the out-breath. That's very natural. Just practice trusting that the in-breath will start when it's ready. If the mind is very busy or very sleepy, it might help to make a very soft mental note as a reminder at the beginning of the in-breath, in. It's a little way to point the mind back to the sensations of breathing. And then at the beginning of the out-breath, just a little note out, remind the mind. Keeps the mind involved, gives it something to do. You can steady the attention on the breath. We don't have to fight with anything else that's happening. We just try to let it be in the background. Keep a little bit of attention on the breath, even if there's something else very compelling happening right now. The breath is happening too. Don't struggle with anything that's happening. See if you can find a sense of ease through knowing that the breathing is going on. You can give a little bit of attention to the breath. Keep yourself grounded in the present, in the simplicity of just sitting here even if the mind keeps wandering off into the future or some other concern. The body is always here in the present. The breath is always here. It's always happening. It's this great tide of refreshing the body, and relaxing, expelling, taking in, letting go. If there's some part of your body that's become uncomfortable for this evening, let's just try breathing through that part. Or breathing around it, letting it be included in the breath. Gently moved, gently massaged by the breath. Very simple, just the breathing in, the knowing that that's happening, the sensing of the sensations, 
as they happen. Just being right there with it. Completely alive, completely connected to this moment, completely aware that this is what's happening right now. This simple sensations of breathing. Just let everything else go. There's always the breath. There may be thinking and breathing, or some kind of discomfort in breathing, some little emotion in breathing. Breath is always there. It's always a part of your experience that you can turn to. Ground you and center you in the present. to struggle with what else is happening. See if we can just breathe with it, breathe through it. Nothing that's happening is wrong or a mistake. It's just something that's happening. And there's the breath. Are you breathing in or breathing out? Where do you feel it most clearly?
And you just trust that your body knows how to breathe. Actually knows how to do almost everything that keeps you alive. It's a great wisdom and intelligence in the body. A lot of meditation practice is getting ourselves and our ideas out of the way. Giving the body and the breath a chance to work some things through, let go of some things. So we'll sit for another minute or so and see if you can just be right with the breath. Every little sensation of it for the last minute or so. Without tensing up, just relax and open and receive the whole flow of little sensations. A whole in-breath, a whole out-breath. Okay. So, you know, we start with the breath and then we expand the instructions. There's two ways to understand that. The breath is, the breath can take you all the way to the Buddha's teaching of liberation. So it's not like it's a beginning practice. In a way, we're looking at the breath and then we're looking at all the things that pull us away from the breath that seem so important that we get so caught up in. But we're always coming back to the breath. The breath is always there. So it's not, it's a fundamental, foundational practice that's there for throughout the whole of your meditative life is coming back to the breath. But then there's also, it's not like the purpose here is to learn to be great breathers. The purpose is to learn to be at ease with whatever's happening. So we're, we're also, over the 
course, you know, we expand the instructions to be with emotions, to be with thinking. Like you're with the breath, it's just something that's happening. It's a, it has a beginning, some sensations, an end, and then something else happens. So the breath is, just weaves in and out of the whole practice here. So you could just stay with the breath. If you're able to just stay with the breath, great, do it. You know, if there's a lot of other things going on, then, you know, we'll, we'll have instructions for how to work with what else is going on. But the breath is, you know, a lot of this practice is about really understanding deeply things about the nature of reality and how we relate to what's going on. And the breath is as good as anything else, in fact, better than many things, for really just seeing what's going on and what's our relation to it, to simple existence. You know, so anyway, the breath is a wonderful practice. And uh, <laughs> not just for beginners, <laughs> not just the beginning. So are there any questions uh, about either your practice as it's been going on or, you know, in these weeks or this evening or anything at all? Any comments? Yes. Can you wait for the mic so it can get recorded? Thank you. And if you can speak into it, then we can hear you. I've I've had an injury, so when I when I sit, um, I I just feel I can feel tingling on the left side of my body, and Mm -hmm. when I got more into the breath, then I was I I wasn't as aware of that. Um, and I, I wonder about um, also laying down and meditating. Mm-hmm. It's possible to lay down and meditate. Um, most people fall asleep until they kind of get the hang of it, or in, or if you happen to be very awake when you do it, you know. So um, you could try it. it it's uh, you know, it sounds like if it's if it's not making your injury worse, you know, to sit upright, it's a lot easier to learn to meditate sitting upright I would say you know it's, it's more that I'm, I'm pulled by the tingling in my uh-huh. shoulder and then yeah. in the right side left side of my body uh-huh. you think it's making it worse you feel is that your intuition somehow that it's hurting it? no I'm, I'm just my awareness is pulled to it uh-huh. and at uh-huh. other times I'm not feeling it but when right. I'm, I'm meditating I'm aware of it again right right yeah well, you know, there's different ways to play with it. You can play with looking at letting that be just another sensation. You know, you can look, this is more, you know, so when we start looking at thoughts and emotions, is it, do you have fear coming up around it or, oh dear, you know, a worry around it? And So you can, you can note it, you can learn a lot just by looking at that. You know, if your intuition is that you're not actually making it worse, you know. Or you can try lying down. You know, you can breathe lying down. You have anything to add, Chinquan? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So um, we offer. You know, if there's room here, you're welcome to lie down. It may feel a little uncomfortable <laughs> um, in a room full of strangers, but there's a space over there as well. We offer to people. So we really do say, take care of yourselves. If you have an injury, please take care. Um, we we kind of leave it up to you to make the best judgment, you know, and try and give the instructions so that mm-hmm. if it's really uh, making you very contracted, anything, then um, try and relax it or step away from it and, and, and move, really. We don't want you to, you know, break something <laughs> while you sit here. <laughs> okay. There's one little tip from um, um, a friend of mine who's done a lot of practice lying down. She lies on her side, whichever side works, and then sort of hold, holds up one hand like that. 
so that there's something it's sort of the equivalent of trying to sit upright in terms of taking a little bit of energy and keep your awareness and when your hand falls over you know you've kind of lost it you know and might wake you up <laughs> so you it's just a a tip from for trying to practice lying down any other questions or comments comments are great like you know how's it going Establishing a practice. Everybody, you know, it's good to share. That's another thing we'll do in this group that I forgot to mention, is that we we want you to kind of get to know each other a little bit. So we'll have a little group discussion opportunity later that some people think they're not going to enjoy, but most people wind up enjoying it a lot because it's a simple little go around on different things and people like to meet each other. So we'll see how that goes. (laughs) But Anything? Anybody has any... Mm-hmm. I have a question. Is that on? You um, have to hold it really up oh, like you're going to okay. eat it. Sort of. it's, a, it's about my breathing. It's very soft and very shallow. Mm-hmm. Is that just my breathing? It's the way it is. I mean, it's perfectly normal. I don't know that it's everybody's at one time or another, and, you know, its breath can be any way. You know, I, I really wouldn't... The point is just to notice how it is. And no control. It's it's better to just let it be natural than trying to... It's better to just let it be natural. Yes, and... right, right. We sometimes suggest that in the beginning it might be helpful to take a couple of deep breaths just to kind of wake yourself up, you know. But then just let it be, you know. And you can check in with your posture. It can be kind of interesting to see if there's some... Thing, you it know, feels going fine. On. It's yeah, very well, comfortable. Yeah. I'm just thinking, yeah. should there be more? You know, it's no. very, very. It's quiet. fine. There are times in in the practice when the breath is very, very subtle and very, very light. So I don't, I don't think that there's no nothing unusual about that. Yeah. You have to stay still as you meditate. If you feel like you need to move around a little bit, is it fine to move in different uh, uh, just positions to get a little more comfortable? Yes, it's fine. What, what we suggest in this practice is that if you can notice that you need to do that, that's great because you're in your body and you're noticing that there's something not quite you know, that would be helped by moving. And then you can notice that you're moving a little bit and then see how that feels. So you don't have to give up your mindfulness. You can stay right with it as you move. It's fine to move a little bit. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Go, go ahead. No, go ahead. Um, so you, you might have asked that question because you notice everybody in the room is very still for these sessions. So we do say if you take a little time in the beginning as you get your get into your posture... You make the adjustments that you need, um, and if, especially if you're extremely uncomfortable, to make the adjustments as you need. But there's a reason for stillness, is that if the body becomes still, it really supports um, the mind to be still. If the body's in constant action, then there's just much more going on. Um, so you might want to keep that in mind. So during the 15 or 20 minutes that we sat, we say try and stay still to see where are the uh, compulsions to constantly move, right? So we don't want to be constantly moving through this process. Um, But there is um, 
a walking meditation. So the four postures of meditation are sitting, either on the floor, on a chair, standing. So if you're very, very tired and you want to try and do this, just stand up. You can just stand still for a little while as well, if you're so inclined because you're drifting off. And then just sit back down again. Lying down, which is a, a, it's really a lot of people use that, um, especially if they have chronic injuries, they do all their meditation practices lying down and walking. So uh, there's specific practices for walking. So you just pay attention to the feeling in your feet as you walk. So that's just an introduction to the different ways that we teach meditation. And hopefully that clarifies something. Oh, yes. My question is, um, I really can hear you all right now, but when, I, when we go into to the, the meditation, somehow I can't ever seem to concentrate on the, what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Is that an unusual thing, or is it my hearing, or you know, are you speaking much quieter, or you know, but... I, you know, I mean, it's really hard for me to know whether it's you know it's an inner thing or or an outer thing. Are you are you with your breath more yes. or less? Yeah. Well, fine. Well, I, I end up being with my. <laughs> That's breath all I'm saying. And, and okay. Yeah. And, and and my the the pains in my body. Uh huh. You know, yeah. is what you know goes to me, and and I I've just sort of you know like breathe into the the pains in my mm-hmm. body and. Mm-hmm. Well, that sounds fine. I mean, it may be that there's just something that you you are inwardly focused, and it's it's hard to do two things at once, and that's yeah, not really well, what we're well, trying I, to I, do. I it's a little artificial guided meditation, but you know, most people find it useful. So, I do speak I, I softly, just, also. Yeah, yeah. So. You know, I, mean, I, I, just, I just was, you know, it's like, oh, I missed it again. Oh. No, like, no, 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 no. I'm. I. That's fine. If you're in your, if you're with your experience, that's. You know what the speaking is telling you to do. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just um, one small follow-up. To I find I, I miss whole sections, and then I sort of sit there going, "Craggy, what'd you say?" Oh. But um, I also have been finding that I'm I'm sitting, and I think I'm I think I'm sitting still, and then I sort of realize that I've tilted. It's not even that I'm falling asleep. I just discover because my back starts going, hey, that hurts. Mm-hmm. And it's my upper back because I'm tilted forward. So I sort of reorient myself in a more ver- and I sort of feel my shoulder blades sit down and back and I'm, I'm sitting there. And then after a little while, I discover I'm, I'm listed forward again. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't know what's going on there. It seems very odd. Like mm-hmm. I have no control apparently over my own balance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's very common to, to find oneself doing that, leaning, leaning one way or another, or slumping or something. And, you know, you just, in, just stay with it, you know, stay with the practice. And it may be, you know, there may be something like your energy is a little, energy goes up and down and subtle thinking goes up and down and all these things influence what's going on with our body if we're not perfectly present with it all the time, which is, you know, not where most of us are in this practice. So, you know, it's very natural. And just notice when you know, you might notice when you've, you know, if you find yourself in an uncomfortable posture, do, do, I like what you said, but you don't just jerk yourself back like, oh, you know, you can kind of feel, oh, here I am. And you might find it interesting to just hang there a second and say, what, what, is there something going on? You know, what, what was going on? 
and then just see, you know, just gradually let it come back to upright. Just for investigating, you know, but it's fine. It's perfectly normal. I I feel like saying one more thing about the question of holding still and not. Um, The... We are learning that part of what our investigation is is what is it that's kind of driving us. And many of us are, are kind of driven all the time by some discomfort. And if we just keep moving and fidgeting all the time, then we don't see that. you know. So part of the practice is to have an intention to be still in order to see. And you might see, wow, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff going on here. And then you've learned something about yourself, you know. So they're seeing that. But then, if you find that you're getting that you're getting more and more rigid, and in order not to move, you're, it's becoming a huge struggle. That's not the idea. So at that point, let yourself move mindfully, you know. So so you're kind of working with bringing some attention to what are the forces that are wanting to push you around all the time, and not just automatically being kind of you know, a puppet to those forces, but noticing them. But then also, you know, letting yourself move if you really need to. Well, we're late. It's okay. (laughs) First we were early, now we're late. We have a schedule. (laughs) Okay, sorry, go ahead. Yes, please. Right, so, um, so um, I don't know if anybody has in mind why we're why do we want to focus on the breath? Why do we want to bring mindful attention? You know, what's the point of being aware? So, um, a lot of the reasons people come is they realize they're kind of living in their heads a lot of the times. So there's a lot of stress in their lives. They're either li- living in the past or very worried about the future, and very little. Uh, ability to stay present, present for their life in a deep way, in a very engaged way. So a lot of these practices and the whole introduction to mindfulness series is to give some training to bring a presence, to practice that um, that uh, mindful uh, attention each time, like, you know, ten times, a hundred times during a sit, to just keep coming back. Noticing what takes you away, noticing what it's like when the attention is not on the present moment, and then what it's like when it's present. So simple instructions, and actually um, not that easy, because we're used to our minds being very busy with things that sometimes are much more exciting than the breath. Um, So uh, we can create so many distractions, diversions, and stories, and fantasies, you know, usually a lot more engaging than just staying in the breath and the body especially if there's discomfort in the body. Who wants to be present for discomfort? But this, it's very skillful for us to know how to meet discomfort. The small discomforts of just sitting here, the big discomforts of when life throws us very challenging things. And rather than push it away, deny, struggle with, embellish, fall prey to, uh, you know, uh, or wallow in or something, we learn to have some strength of presence. We learn to bring um, this heightened capacity of awareness, which is what mindfulness is, to every moment. 
So it's not really a problem if uh, the body moves this way. Uh, we might make a big deal out of it and worry about it or this or that, but we're actually asking us during this, our meditation, to kind of let that go and see if the, the, what the mind traditionally does and habitually does, if we can let that go in favor of just staying with something very simple in a simple way in a way where we don't have to entangle our opinions or judgments or criticisms with it. We just kind of let it be. So that when beautiful things happen, we can be with them much more connected, really. When difficult things happen, we can be with them uh, without as much uh, reactivity, without the habitual ways where we hate it or we want it to go away. So uh, those are, that's the five-week introduction. We give a little bit of practice starting with the breath. And then um, uh, some of the reasons why, like the core of the Buddhist teachings we want to introduce you to, is uh, why do we do those things as well, is um, the Buddha kind of discovered that um, there's a way in looking at all of our experiences, right? So he kind of looked at it in a medical, in a way, a medical model. It doesn't have a lot to do with doctrine. It doesn't have to do with faith or belief or anything like that. He just said, oh, when he looked at our experiences as human beings, he he discovered, oh, there are places where there's suffering. Suffering or stress or discontent or unsatisfactoriness. Um, and, And then he said, well, what are the causes? And he says, the causes are anything we cling to. Anything we uh, crave, um, that those, that's where the suffering occurs. And then he says, well, is there uh, a way out? And he said, yes. <laughs> and the way out, the way that we teach here, is um, establishing this presence of mind through mindfulness practice, and then what we will introduce ne- next week as the Eightfold Path. So it's just kind of categories of ways in which we live our lives, and we can look at all aspects of how we live our life and, um, and see if there's a more helpful, um, practical way to meet the areas of suffering. So those are the Four Noble Truths. They're pretty simple. <laughs> One, that there is suffering in our lives. Not that all of our life is suffering, but there are areas just in being a human being that there's going to be some difficulty, challenges, you know, loss. We're, going to get, we're all going to get old. We're all going to get sick, and we're all going to die. Does it have to be so tragic? You know, can we meet it uh, with some skill, uh, with some ease? Um, uh, so that's the, the first noble truth, that there is suffering. The second noble truth is what's the cause? The cause he discovered was clinging or craving. And I'm going to... Um, we like lists here at this center. <laughs> we give a lot of five ways to <laughs> approach mindfulness, eightfold path, four noble truths. And there's, he actually kind of figured out four different types of clinging that we do. So... Um, it just makes it easier sometimes to identify the ways in which we cling or crave to. So the first one is clinging to or craving to sensual pleasures. Anything that feels good, tastes good, sounds good, things that we like, you know. So not that they're in itself the source of suffering, um, Really, life is there to enjoy. We can embrace it and really enjoy it. But the place when we cling to or crave to is where the suffering occurs. So um, 
Some of us might have slight addictive behaviors to food or alcohol or entertainment or technology or exercise or work. Or, so we all know the areas where we kind of get into trouble with those things that habitually we know that aren't so good for us if we do eat 10 cookies or have more than you know, one drink or have you know, whatever is watched, like for me, 10 episodes of you know, that series. You know, like, you know, it does something. You know, not the worst thing, believe me, better than all the other things I used to do. But um, you know, that's, it's the craving. You know? So uh, we are here to explore, is it true? So we're not saying you don't have to believe it all, but this is what we posit and in all our exploration of this. Can we find that is there some element of suffering there? So central pleasures is a big one. So sometimes we don't recognize it when we're in it ourselves, but we can certainly notice it in others <laughs> when we see other people caught in the grip of, of doing something over and over again or where it's no longer you know, serving them or where they're really kind of having a hard time with it. When I was um, going Christmas shopping for my niece, who was 9 or 10 at the time, she really wanted this particular doll. And your ch- children in particular, if they get their mindset on something, oh my God, their whole world can revolve around that thing. So not only was it a, a big ordeal to find the mall that had the store that had the doll, um, she spent an hour in that store, and I saw her, it didn't look like a whole lot of fun because she could only pick one doll (laughs) to have to choose that doll, right? And then after all that, we were in the car driving home, and um, she got very quiet, and I turned around, looked at her in the back seat, and she looked very serious, and I was like, well, what's going on? She's like, well, now I have to get all the clothes for this doll and the house and the stuff and everything. And she was so honest about like, and and it was creating this really serious, intense energy around needing, wanting desire. So that's where we can get caught in the grips of sensual pleasure. So simple example, right? The next type of... uh, Clinging or craving is craving to uh, uh, clinging to worldviews or narratives of ourself, stories about ourself, stories about how we see the world, how it should be, how it's all messed up, how it's wrong. So, um, or you know, the weight of our stories can sometimes drag us down, right? So, not that they're not useful. Sometimes we have to see, you know, make some something up, but it's the craving to or the clinging to. I've had so many many wars based on how right I was (laughs) over some belief about the world or that political party or that person, um, that it, it, it was causing me suffering and probably everybody else around me. So I think we can find plenty of examples of how that is, uh, can be problematic for us. So not in and of itself that we have them, but it's the, when we cling to them or have a very tight grip on them, we don't leave much room. There's very little ease around those things. Another way in which we can cling are, are to spiritual practices. So this is big for uh, anyone who really takes spiritual practices seriously. Um, precepts or practices, we say we give some of them here or offer them as guidelines. But uh, even if we offer them as guidelines, uh, not to take that which is not given, not to kill or harm being self or others, um, and not to lie or speak untruths, right? Um, 
we can become very rigid around anything, right? So we offer them as guidelines so that we can lead more peaceful, skillful lives. But a lot of times people can take spiritual practices as doctrine and even, you know, some little bit of uh, righteous, uh, self-righteousness can seep in, some little bit of indignation can seep in. And if you look at the kind of my bigger picture or historical picture, then you can look at all the wars that have been fought and started based on spiritual beliefs and practices. So uh, we see there can be a lot of clinging to or gripping to those. So that's another area where there's some suffering. And the last one is where we might create um, identities of self. So... uh, uh, we all have identities of self, like um, mother, daughter, sister, uh, friend, teacher, um, whatever you know we identify as. So it's not problematic. It's only when we grip to them, grip to them, and like, put all our eggs in a certain basket that they uh, we discover kind of how fragile and flimsy they are. And if we rely on our how we identify ourselves, then uh, it can cause us a lot of suffering. So when I was young, I used to, uh, people used to reinforce this belief that I was smart. <laughs> and I used to believe that I was smart. Um, and I think when I went into high school, and all of a sudden I was with a bunch of other people who were a lot smarter than I was. And that belief about who I was was really, at a core level, very rattled. And I didn't know how to deal with it, and and I didn't even know what was going on, that it was identity or this or that. But that's just like one example, like how if we put all our eggs in that basket, that can be very problematic. Um, Those constructions of the mind, identifications, are kind of in their nature fragile and flimsy. So they're necessary, there are necessary concepts to move in the world. We need to know where to go to work, (laughs) Um, what our title is, you know, we go in the bank, uh, know that we have an account. So they can be very useful, but it's um, kind of when we cling too dearly to I am this, or I am this, or I am this, then uh, it can be a cause of suffering. So those are the four types of clinging, the areas of clinging. Um, And I have to check the time now. Um, uh, <clears throat> the way out <laughs> is, to, is to just kind of examine. Number one, you know, just say, is that true? Is that possible? Is there suffering in those areas for me? So we're not asking you to believe any. So when we have developed a mindfulness practice, a practice that enhances our capacity to be aware from moment to moment, we're much more able to see the areas where that we're going to cling a little. When we get challenged or when we're in conflict or when maybe those areas become a little bit more apparent for us. So rather than fall into the habit of uh, clinging to them, what can we do? Just in seeing them and recognizing them, already we're kind of out of their grip. So this whole process of awareness is very useful so that we're no longer kind of subject to the whims of all the external conditions that may kind of challenge us and our internal compulsions. So we can take a look at, and if we choose to follow them, then we're doing so knowingly rather than unknowingly. 
So we have this little place where we have a little bit of choice. So this is where this practice is offering us that bit of freedom. So the reason to do all this, look at the areas where they're suffering, is to uh, see, is there a possibility of freedom from that suffering? So um, you guys have, most of you have been practicing for five weeks, is my guess. There's been sometimes when you might notice there's something unpleasant going on, and what happens? What do you do, and how do you meet it? So hopefully the tools that we provide or describe or present are uh, useful. It's just like, can I try that? What's it like if I don't entangle myself with it, if I don't feed it, if I don't deny it or push it away, but just meet it simply? Just as we say the breath is simple, it can be shallow, doesn't matter. Uh, uh, doesn't need to be anything particular. So rather than this kind of notion we have to fix ourselves or better ourselves, we're like saying, well, there's actually nothing wrong. We may have unhelpful, unhealthy patterns and behaviors, but rather than blame, criticize, judge, try and fix, we say we meet it clearly and we make wiser choices. So being present for our lives gives us that room to see it as it's happening and make those wise choices. We kind of live in a very fast-paced world, so oftentimes it's only after the fact, after you've said something unskillful or in the middle of a fight or uh, after you've run that red light or honked a horn or flipped somebody off or whatever, then you realize, you know. So it's, it's, it's very fast, the world we live in. So this practice allows us to slow down. So where it says, give us half a chance to slow down, take some time to look at a little more clearly what's happening. So that... 20 minutes sit is that time and it may have this impact on us so that the rest of the day we're more apt to remember you know whatever we're doing oh can I be a little closer to this as I'm doing it so so those are the that's the presentation of the Four Noble Truths it's very quick (laughs) and um, um, next week we'll go over what the Eightfold Path is but this week what we're going to do is I'm going to make you guys talk to each other. Um, No, we're actually not. If you really don't want to talk to each other, we don't force anything. You can just sit quietly. (laughs) Uh, But we'll get into groups of three if uh, that's comfortable enough for you guys. We'll give a little bit of instructions on how we kind of like to frame this discussion. And then we'll pose two questions. So you have a chance to reflect and answer um, these questions. So... So if you guys would get into groups of three, I think it works out well. There's groups of three, and maybe one group of four. You can just move to the, you know, find your neighbors or something, and maybe move your chairs a little bit so that there's a little bit of room. Yes, yes. <laughs> so in order for this to be... Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> they're just in, so it's, it's 
Attention, please. Attention, please. <laughs> okay, so uh, so I, when I pose the question, it's really useful to take some time to reflect. You're not speaking for the other person to impress anybody or, or whatever. It's really kind of more for yourself as an exploration or a discovery. And if whoever's speaking, if the other person can just listen uh, and see if you're, you know, caught in having some response or what you're worried about, what you're going to say. If you can just rest back, don't worry about what you're going to say. Uh, there's no, uh, this is not really a place to give advice to anybody. <laughs> we're, we're not looking for that. We're just looking to kind of practice our, our self-reflection on the question and listening. So we ask that everybody take time, everybody speak in turn. So you take a little bit of time. It can be very short. So you just say one or two sentences on something, and then let the uh, next person go, and then the next person go. And each person take as much time as you need. And then that way it goes around a few times, and you can pick up on what's been shared and then reflect and see if that resonates with you and share again. So they're not, it's not a monologue for you know, 10 minutes. We only have <laughs> about 10 minutes, okay? And then I'll ring the bell, okay? So the first question is, Um, What are some types of suffering or clinging, because I just described these areas, um, have you noticed since starting meditation? What are some types of suffering or clinging or craving? Okay, is it clear the question? Any questions about that? Okay, great. So I'll ring the bell after about 10 minutes. Okay, so great, wrapping up. Um, And the next question is then, what have you noticed brings ease to the suffering or areas of clinging or craving? What have you noticed brings ease? Is that clear? (laughs) Like, uh, what are some examples, Chris? Come on. So using the breath when there's a area of a challenging or difficulty, Imagining impatience. Why people are doing what they're doing instead of assuming they're idiots. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you guys need more examples, or just or are things coming to mind? You can reflect a little bit. Okay, yeah, take time to reflect. What have you noticed brings ease? So you can just reflect on a time when you've had some kind of difficulty and then see, you know, what, what helped. Okay? And I'll ring the bell at the end of seven or eight minutes. Okay? So uh, thank you guys for participating in that. I hope that wasn't too painful. Uh, I actually hope it was uh, useful. Oh, wonderful. Good. (laughs) 
we tend to get introverts here, so you know sometimes people just walk out of the room. So we want to give them the option. We don't force anything. So if anybody has anything to share, uh, we'd love to hear the comments or things, something that came up, you know, for for you guys. Can you hold on? Get up. I just wanted to say I'm very thankful for the center. Uh, I've been coming here for a while, and uh, it's it's just wonderful knowing that this place is here. It's a source of comfort. It's uh, I enjoy all the talks, and I just want to say thank you and thank you for this evening. So. Thank you. Mm, nice. <laughs> um, any questions? If it wasn't clear, you know that process. Okay. I assume you mean the teaching about the second arrow? Yes. yes. So there, um, for those of you who might have missed this week, there's a wonderful story in, uh, where the Buddha asks somebody, does it hurt if you get shot by an arrow? And the person says, yes. And then he says, how about if you get shot by a second arrow in the same place? Does that hurt worse? And he says, yes, that hurts worse. And so then he says, well, that's the way it is when, you, when something hurts you from the world, like something unpleasant happens, and then you turn around and attack yourself over that, and you say, oh, I'm so stupid, that shouldn't have happened, or how could I have let that happen? Or it was occurring to me the other day, it's not even just attacking yourself, but replaying it over and over again, like somebody said something to you that insulted you. How many times do you... Play it over. Play the tape over and over and over. That's more and more and more arrows. So you might often hear us around here talking about, you know, even if it's the 96th arrow that you catch yourself on, it's not too late to stop and be mindful right there and say, okay, here I am reacting to the reaction to the reaction or repeating it over and over again. So that's an important understanding in what we're teaching here about not suffering. (laughs) Anybody have any questions or comments about ways you suffer or don't? Well, yeah, we were we actually did this, and we were talking about uh, ways that we feel that we're still identified with, you know, wanting to know things and be clear when we teach and, you know, we listen to Gil teach and we think, why aren't we that, why aren't we just like that? And, well, we're not. And, <laughs> and so uh, lots of ways that, that we suffer. And then how we, we find some ease is, well, I mentioned it's, it's really very helpful to me, basically, the practice to come into the body, ground myself in the present moment, notice whether I'm continuing to shoot the arrows at myself or not, and, you know, just turn to the breath, turn to what it feels like in the body. It's just a feeling, whatever it is. It's just a thought, whatever it is. And I usually find quite a bit of easing up around that sort of uh, approach. So I've been doing the recording here, and I noticed if I had possible a pause and mute button for myself and my mind, (laughs) that would be the analogy of what it can be useful, just to pause occasionally, to slow down. Uh, If I could mute the mind, (laughs) I'd do the best I can to kind of uh, see what I can let go of and what I don't need to feed, you know, so those can be helpful. So... 
Great. We hope the, uh, that the questions are helpful. It's just reflections for yourself and constantly looking at, you know, checking in when, you know, when you're in the grips of something or even actually when you're enjoying something sometimes, you know. Uh, can it just be enjoying something and when does it become, when do you, like, when is there a rope burn on that? Uh, so, <laughs> um, so hopefully those are useful practices. For those of you who didn't come uh, to the series, we had handouts for the series that might be useful that give practices and a little bit of description description of the mindfulness practice, you're welcome to pick that up. That's the first week on mindfulness of breathing. So uh, next week we will uh, do a review of mindfulness of the body and uh, introduce the Eightfold Path, which is what we say is the way out of suffering. So um, great. I hope you have a wonderful evening. Thanks for your participation. And uh, we're here for a few minutes if you have any questions for us. Okay, thank you.